Yo, is this thing on? Man, whatever. Walk with me. Welcome back to Walk with TFB. Tim Bryson here, and as y'all know, I'm a Black millennial who is eager to have unfiltered conversation with authentic people centered on education, sport, and culture. Today, we are walking with a CEO, a people champion, and a friend. A native of Columbia, South Carolina, she earned her bachelor's in criminology and criminal justice, the pre-law studies program at the flagship institution in the Palmetto State, the University of South Carolina. She then went on to earn her MBA with a concentration in human resource management from Winthrop University. A, dy a dynamic talent in the corporate industry, our friend has maneuvered and excelled in several freelance and full-time job assignments and currently serves as a senior manager for people operations for a global nonprofit organization called Women Who Code. But in 2017, she became the founder and CEO of 3MC Business Solutions. 3MC Business Solutions is a consulting firm dedicated to creating customized solutions for every client they serve. They help small businesses, startups, and nonprofit organizations reach their big goals despite their budget constraints. Their ethos is equity, and they eliminate barriers preventing black and brown women entrepreneurs from scaling their business and obtaining or maintaining sustainability. As y'all can tell, our guest is more than a millennial. Her life's purpose is rooted in giving back to marginalized and underserved communities. And she does so by amplifying black and brown voices, increasing access to resources, and creating equal opportunities for all of us to walk in our purpose. We are excited to kick off season three with my inspirational friend. So without further ado, y'all help me welcome Shay Wajid. Shay, 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 what's going on, player? Nothing much, man, nothing much. I can't complain. How are you? It feels good to be back on the mic, yo. Like I said, I've been off. I ain't had a podcast episode drop in like two months. Well, welcome back. Which is, welcome. What you I been up to? Welcome. I mean, honestly, everything at this point. I mean, shit, school, work, this podcast shit I love. Starting to take my business off, at least to get more serious about the business aspect, which is honestly netting off right now. So I'm excited about that. Um, trying to live life, bro. That's exciting. I'm proud of you. I'm, I'm always proud Not of you. Listen, man, we're gonna we're gonna take it back. We're gonna take it back to 2012, 2013. But one thing I was looking at today when I was going through my um my little Google Drive for my business, I was like, yo, I made a list back in November of like future seasons, obviously one being entrepreneurs, buying black, et cetera. You're the first name on that list, which was November 2nd, 2020. Oh wow, so, that's crazy. Man, tell you shit wild. So definitely glad to have you on the podcast, yo. And I know you know our mutual friend, your sister, Alexis Moo was on the podcast last season. I'm gonna run through y'all group and get all y'all on at some point because all y'all have a lot a of great episode. That was a great episode. She killed that shit, and she knows she killed that shit. That was a great episode. I appreciate that. Um, but we, but you know how this shit go, right? Three segments. We'll first start by learning more about who you are um, outside of your resume. So you know the question is, uh, Shay, what's your story? Oh man, uh, so I was born in Columbia, South Carolina, eight hundred three stand up. Um, my, my childhood was pretty normal from what I remember, right? So um, I know one thing my therapist and I explore a lot is, is what you remember from childhood is a lot of times indicative of traumas or triggers um, because of course a child can only remember so much to a certain age, right? So from what I remember, um, I'm the oldest of four. So I have two sisters and a brother. Um, and that's always been my pride and joy. Like, 
when they were born, like you couldn't tell me they weren't my children. I would get in trouble for having them on, on my hip and I was only but so big. So uh, a lot of my childhood is centered around being a big sister, right? Um, so like situations my parents may face, I always felt obligated to be like the vessel between shielding my siblings, but also educating them on how to move forward. So majority of my childhood, I remember being great, spoiled, but also being that vessel for my siblings to sort of shield a lot of the things we saw because my parents are very transparent. So when stuff happened, I was very aware of what was going on, whether it be financial or emotional, like I was right there at the front lines. Um, so high school, I went to Blackwood High School, graduated in 2011. Um, my whole high school career, I said I wanted to be a lawyer, right? Mm -hmm. At that time, all I knew was lawyers and money. You know, I had the perception that lawyers made money. I wanted to make money and help my family get to a status that we had not reached yet. Um, and one thing that really humbled me was applying to college, um, the FAFSA, right? So like I said, I, I was always spoiled. Anything I needed or wanted, I got. So I didn't know anything in terms of like tax brackets for my parents, right? I didn't know how much they made. I just knew my mom was an entrepreneur. My dad had a season when he was an entrepreneur and things were great. Um, but when I filled out that fast foot and saw the, the number uh, for income that my parents was bringing in and correlating it to the fact that they had four children, it made me respect them so much more um, because according to the tax brackets, we were living in poverty, right? Uh, but again, I wouldn't have known, like we lived in the suburbs. I went to majority all white schools. Like I never would have known. So that, that I think was like the peak of me realizing what my purpose was. I always tell people that finding your purpose is an evolution. Like it grows over time. So, you know, when I was 16, if you asked me my purpose, I probably would have said to be rich. Uh, but now if you ask me that, I'm saying that it's to uplift marginalized groups to teach them how to accumulate wealth and keep it within their family. Uh, I truly believe I'll probably be one of the first to unite that in my family, if not one of my siblings, because they, they kicking ass right now too, and I'm proud of them. But um, yeah, so that's pretty much the nutshell of that. Um, so I applied to college, got into Carolina, went to USC for four years, did my four years and got out. Uh, that's when I met Tim, you know, we was VP and president of MPHC. So I was always involved pledged Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. Uh, college was a blast. I wouldn't change anything about college too. But one thing that set me apart uh, from a lot of my classmates, associates, friends, was that I practically worked full-time during college and I did in high school as well. Um, I was working 30, 40 hour weeks in high school. I worked, my first job was Burger King. Uh, then I worked at Firehouse Subs and I ended up being like a shift manager, right? So when I got to college, I still had that job at Firehouse, Ashley. My freshman year, I would try to structure my class schedules around my work schedule because I knew what I needed to bring home. I had bills, you know, I would, you know, most people, their parents, you know, sent them money every week. Yeah. That wasn't my financial situation. So I knew I needed to do what I had to do. So I always built my class schedules around it. I knew I needed to be out of class by four so I could get to work by five, work about four or five hours, you know, what I didn't really have time to take naps because Northeast Columbia is like 30, 35 minutes away from downtown Columbia. So for those of you who don't know, I'm from Northeast side of Columbia. So even though I went to USC, you know, people assume Columbia is small and like you should know the whole city. But when you live in Northeast Columbia, you don't really go downtown. So um, we'll drive to Firehouse. And then finally, I got an opportunity at Columbia Urban League, uh, which was a local nonprofit. 
Um, I actually started off volunteering, got to meet the CEO. Um, he was a Kappa and went to uh, North Carolina Central, I believe. Um, we connected and from there I ended up getting pretty much a full-time position. So that was like, oh man, that was, that was a blessing. Uh, definitely a blessing, a pivotal moment for me. That's when I got my first taste of HR and program management, um, grant writing, got to write a few grants that got accepted um, and funded a lot of our programming. So from that point on, um, I think that probably was the first time I experienced imposter syndrome because here I am, you know, 21, 22, uh, managing a team of like 10 people that were twice my age, you know what I mean? So that that definitely was like my first hint of imposter syndrome without knowing what it was at that time, you know, I'm saying this in hindsight. Um, so I learned a lot through college. Uh, like I said, I always wanted to be a lawyer. So my major was criminal justice, uh, got to the end of college, applied to law school. I got into a few law schools. I even paid for my seat at um, uh, the law school in Charleston. Um, I don't think it's connected to CFC. I don't forgot the name of it. But anyway, I, I paid my seat for there. And then I ended up getting a full-time offer from Ronstadt to be a corporate recruiter and move to Charlotte. So I was like, uh, and you know, I was, I was battling with the fact that, you know, when you're in law school, they advise you don't work. And if you do work, you can only work a few hours a week. And here I am, this girl that's used to working full time since I've been 16. So I was struggling back and forth with that. And so long story short, I ended up, um, uh, rescinding my seat at law school. You don't get a refund. Of course, it was like a $200 seat, which was a lot then, you know, I'm fresh out of graduation. Yeah. So I, I ate that L, um, took the full-time opportunity, applied to MBA school in the fly. Cause at this time it's like July, right? So, you know, the semester started in August. So I had to write a letter of intent, um, to the Dean of the school of business. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming she liked it because I ended up getting in and, so I was at Winthrop for two years. I did, I wouldn't advise anybody to do this, but I, I got my MBA full-time and I was working full-time. So the program I was in was hybrid. So I would go to class at night or would be online uh, a few days a week. And I still to this day don't know how I made it through that program. I mean, my first semester I got put on academic probation. I'd be real transparent in saying that because um, in MBA programs, you can't get a C. You know, it's an A or a B or you out of there. And I had a few C's in my first semester. So after my first semester, I got put on academic probation. Um, and their system is really a one and done. You know, you get put on probation. If you don't make it up or get right, you out of there after that. So I had to buckle down and reprioritize, you know, couldn't go out a lot of weekends, but we got it done. So uh, finished that program and then I moved to Atlanta that summer. My aunt owns a, a multicultural hair brand. She was actually one of the, was the first uh, black hair brand to get retail distribution. So she was the first black hair brand to be in Walmart, CVS, Target, you name it. Um, and at that time she needed help with digital marketing. And a lot of my experience was HR, talent acquisition, people operations, program management. So one thing I like to do when I assess opportunities is and I got this from Lex, uh, oddly enough, is we talk about our toolkit, right? Um, and when I assess the opportunity, the first thing I'm asking myself is, is it going to help me sharpen a tool I already have in my toolkit? Or is it going to give me a new tool to add to my toolkit? And so I examined that opportunity as a new tool, right? I hadn't done anything formally 
with digital marketing, but I knew I knew enough about it to be a value add to her team because she didn't have a marketing team at all, right? So we're talking about a brand that got popular in the 90s when social media really wasn't relevant. You know, she made most of her money from foot traffic. You know, it wasn't, the shelf space wasn't as competitive as it is now. So now that she's transitioning to this new consumer base, um, that's where the need for digital marketing came from. So I worked with her for about a year and a half um, that came to an end by her choice. You know, I was I was excited to move. I never wanted to move to Atlanta. So I, I'll say that off real. I always hated Atlanta. I always hated Atlanta. Even when Let's moved here, I was like, I can't do it. <laughs> the traffic, everything about it. Um, but here we are, 2021. I'm still in Atlanta. Uh, me and my fiance own the house in Atlanta. So I'm assuming we'll be here for some time. But it's just crazy how life works, right? So the opportunity only lasted a year and a half, but that's what afforded me the ability to move to Atlanta for free. You know, she covered all my relocation calls, oh. paid for me to break my lease in Charlotte. And so uh, I truly believe everything happens for a reason. Nothing is a mistake, right? I think everything is intentionally and purposefully designed for whatever your life purpose may be. And that's why I say per finding your purpose is the evolution because everything that has happened to me has helped me define my purpose even further. So um, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. Now I'm at Women Who Code. Um, that's a global nonprofit. Our mission is to help women excel in their technology careers. So I've been there since September, 2018. Um, that was the opportunity I accepted right after I was working with my aunt. So um, I accepted that job the month before we closed on the house because we closed October, 2018. So, and that's the whole nother story. Like I lost my job in the middle of purchasing a home. So I'm sure you can imagine that was, yeah, that was hell, but Another storm we got through, you know what I'm saying? So I'm just happy to be here. I'm always uh, make myself available to, to help people and answer questions and give people advice. I get emails all the time. Like, hey, can you check out my resume? Because um, there was, was a season where I was doing people resumes for money, right? Then I got to a point where it just didn't make sense for my time um, investment just because I was able to make way more money doing other projects. And I'm sure we'll dive into that in a later segment so it, it just didn't make sense for ROI for me but I got to a space where I still like to give back so if somebody reaches out and they're like hey how much you charge for a resume I'm typically like I don't charge but I'm willing to look at yours and give you feedback you know so um me and my friends were just joking about that because it gets to a point now where I high-key need somebody to do it for me um and, and I don't like telling people no but so it's a weird space moving to a space where you really don't have the time to help in the capacity you want to help. Um, so sort of figuring out how to navigate through that now. But yeah, that's that's my life in a nutshell. Yo, first and foremost, thank you for sharing part of the story that you wanted to share with us today. Uh, I got that one, I definitely learned a lot. I know anyone who doesn't know, does not know you, it'll make more sense. Well, what we're going to talk about next will make more sense, given a little bit more context of who you are. Um, but two, congratulations again on your engagement. I know you slid Thank in fiance, which I'm sure was an adjustment over the last several months. Oh, yeah. Congrats <laughs> to you and Webb, yo. Thank uh, you. I want to take us back to Columbia because you mentioned, of course, being uh, from Northeast Columbia. Um, it's a lot of ways you stayed home, stayed within the city, uh, went to the flagship institution, um, again, the University of South Carolina, not, no, no other schools, but got super involved, even like in, from student leadership positions, student engagement positions, even pledged, while also working full time. So what opportunities did you sense as an undergraduate student to to want to get back, to want to get involved, even as an undergraduate student, knowing you were still spending 30 and 40 hours working full time um, as well? I honestly think a lot of that came from my upbringing. Um, 
I'm a beast at time management. I'm not even going to flex. I am a beast when it comes to time management. Um, and it's crazy because because I the way I was brought up, I assumed that was normal, right? Until I got to college and everybody like, yo, like when you do your work, like how you doing X, Y, and Z? And I got to explain it and everybody was like mind blown. Um, so exposure is what taught me that I was a beast at time management. I thought it was normal. Because um, one thing my mom used to do with us is even when we got home from school, I'm talking about elementary, the first thing you do when you get in the house is your homework. You know, your snack will be on the table. You can eat your snack or whatever, <laughs> drink your little Capri Sun, but you did your homework first, first and foremost. Um, and then when the homework was done, you can go watch TV, take a shower, play outside, whatever the case may be. And that has literally been like engraved in me. Like, I don't like to have fun until my work is done. So like, I literally operate off of an agenda book. What I do is on Sunday evenings, I'll write out everything for the week coming up. So when I was in school, if something was due on Wednesday, I would write it down to do Tuesday night. Like I literally would plan out my week around, you know, my work schedule. And so on Sundays, a lot of times I would just lock myself in the room and do everything for the week ahead because I knew I didn't have that flexibility in the evenings because I was working. And so when the weeks did come and, you know, it's Tuesday evening, I get off work and I'm just on the couch chilling and my roommate's like, dang, you ain't got no test to study for. Yeah, I did it already. So it's just all a matter, matter of time management and structuring your day and your daily lifestyle around what works best for you, right? Some people may retain information better studying every night. Uh, I was blessed enough to retain a lot of my information in one sitting. It just, it just really depends. But I'm sure if I was a biology major, that wouldn't have been the case, right? So that's why I say it's important for people to cultivate their structure and their systems around what works best for them. Um, but because I had great time management, it just made sense for me to continue being involved. I was involved in middle school, high school. So college just felt no different. It was just a part of who I was. I probably would have been bored just doing the regular, which is being a student. You know, to me, that's that's what you pay them to do. You pay tuition to be a student. So sure. why not capitalize off of the opportunity and build relationships and learn more? Um, and that's something I've always preached to my siblings too. Anybody can go to college and be a student. Um, despite some of the barriers that, you know, some might uh, encounter when trying to attend college. But once you're in college, you're no different from the next student. So what are you going to do to set you apart? And to me, giving back and being involved was that. Well, our experience, I think we we're co-VPs. I was not the president at all. Not until oh, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. <laughs> let me, let me, let me clear that for the record, first and foremost. Right. But two, I have never, even to this point, I'll put anyone against you. It'll be, you undefeated seeing someone more efficient <laughs> but hard hard working as you have been like it's like literally mind-blowing and i remember i told lex in the pod i'm like yo like we would have a meeting and i'll probably be chopping about something that need to happen don't need to happen and 30 minutes later she already sent the damn calendar invite i'm like yo what is kudos to you yo you're a model you're a model i appreciate that no nah, i appreciate you yo and so one thing that i mentioned in your intro is that you have again you've maneuvered and have excelled in both freelance and full-time work um, some of these organizations have been black owned, been black centered, have uplifted, you know, and amplified black voices. Some have not. Um, but this is the Walk with TV podcast, the season three premiere at that. And so transitioning to segment two, uh, I want to talk specifically about black businesses, right? Black entrepreneurship. And through, I guess, community involvement, community poll, the theme for this season is hashtag buy black, yeah. so which I think is one of the Instagram like filters or stickers or whatever the hell it is on the yeah. story. Um, but from your perspective, again, being an entrepreneur yourself, founder and CEO, co-founder and CEO yourself, what does it mean to buy Black? Oh, man. So 
I got, I got two perspectives on this, right, on this topic. Um, one thing I want to touch on is that I feel like in the Black community today, um, everyone wants to own a business, but not everyone is equipped to run a business. So yeah. that's, the, that's the first thing I want to address. Um, yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. I just feel like if you're not equipped to run a business, you should put people in position for you to run that business. People do it all the time, right? Um, and because of that, I think Black businesses are, in some degree, um, getting a bad rap, right? So, you know, I might spend money with this Black business, and then I might spend money with a competitor that's not a Black business and realize the value that I got was higher. And the price point might have been cheaper because, you know, as a small business, Black-owned business, a lot of time the price point has to be higher. And, you know, coming from someone like myself that is business-minded, I understand that and I respect that. I don't mind paying more, um, but the value needs to be worth what I'm paying for. And so I've, I've always been an advocate of buying Black. Um, I try to be intentional with that now because keeping a dollar in our community is definitely going to help us long-term. But I also want to challenge Black business owners to step up and provide the value that they are advertising their product or service is going to give the end user or consumer. Um, only because if we're going to keep campaigning by Black, we need to make sure we're stepping up and giving people a reason to buy Black. You know what I mean? Um, and then the second perspective I have on that is also giving Black businesses grace, right? So, you know, the first token I said I want to hold Black businesses, business owners accountable um, for how they're structuring their business and making sure they're actually providing the value that they profess they're going to. But I also think as a Black consumer, we can give Black businesses more grace. And by that, I mean, let's say I order some shoes off Nike, right? And because of COVID, it took them an extra six weeks to ship it out. As a consumer, most consumers, they're not going to worry about whether they got scammed or not, or whether the shoes are going to come, because they already have that brand trust in Nike to send their shoes, right? And so when the pandemic hit and Black businesses were suffering even more than your, you know, Fortune 500 company like Nike, of course, their processes were affected much greatly because their resources are a lot more limited. So it might have took them eight weeks to ship out. You don't have to run to Instagram and tell everybody that this Black-owned business is, is taking forever <laughs> to, to ship out your, your item. You know what I mean? Like, show them some grace. Because nine times out of 10, the big um brands that you're buying from now they had the same issues and they sent you the same email letting you know it was going to be a delay so i think in the same breath you know although we need to hold each other accountable because there are some some scamming solutions uh situations going on we also got to give each other grace right and so i think that i think those are the top two important things for me as it relates to buy black um because we know what buying black does it helps the dollar circulate multiple times in our community right that's the end goal um but to get to that journey, we both have to be accountable and give each other grace along the way. Cause this is new for a lot of people, you know what I mean? So, and I always tell people, if you have an experience with a black business that didn't go as you planned, consult them on that. Anytime I buy from a black business and I feel like they could have done better in the area, instead of running the Instagram to talk about how bad the business was, I'm gonna consult them on that mm -hmm. as a fellow black business owner that wants to see another black business owner succeed and strive. You know, If I see that your turnaround time for communication is way too long, I'm gonna tell you, hey, just so you know, you might wanna invest in X, Y, and Z so you can respond to your customers faster. Um, and I, I, think that's, I think that's much more impactful than buying from a black business sometimes, like help mm -hmm. them. If you know something that it seems like they don't know, 
educate them on it. And I think a lot of times we withhold information with like a crabs in a bucket mentality and it's, it's terrible. It's, it's enough money for everybody to eat. Trust me. <laughs> I trust you. Like I said, I'm going to get my own appointment with you uh, <laughs> probably next week, to be honest, uh, based on some things I got going on. Um, but I want to come back to the first thing you said in regards to holding Black businesses, hold, shit, holding us accountable, right? We're both entrepreneurs at this yeah. point. And we've seen, especially since over the last, what, fuck, it's been nine, 10 months now with the resurgence of the resurgence of the Black Lives Matter movement, more Black people saying, you know what, fuck this, I'm doing my own yeah. shit. Like, fuck this, I'm doing my own shit. I'm tired of whether it's buying non-Black products, whether it's supporting non-Black things. Like, I know what the fuck I'm talking about from either an education standpoint. I know how to fuck to build this from like yeah. a resource and product standpoint. I'm gonna do this shit myself. But to your point, and it's been a learning curve even for myself and figuring out like how the hell you run a fucking business. Again, yeah. I studied athletic training undergrad. And mm -hmm. so somewhat and had no intention of owning my own business at any point in time. So I realized like, I can get paid for looking at motherfuckers resume. Yeah. <laughs> like I can get paid for going to go talk, you know what I'm saying, at a school about whatever. And so talk to us more about some of the skills that you had mentioned, right? That we're not always equipped with the skills or equipped with the knowledge. Uh, so talk to us more about some of the skills or knowledge that you wish more uh, beginner Black-owned businesses or entrepreneurs knew uh, starting off or shit before even starting the damn business, LLC. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm definitely going to have to say number one is probably structuring the business. So mm. knowing that you need an EIN, knowing that you should go open a business bank account to separate your personal finances from your um, business finances. And, and I'll be completely transparent. I'm definitely not saying you got to have this huge capital to get started, right? Um, when I started 3MC Business Solutions, I had car loans, credit card debt. Uh, I didn't own a house at the time. So I made it work with what I had. So even though those finances were separate, it was self-funded. So even yeah. if that mean I had to do a personal transfer from my personal bank account to my business, it was still important that I kept those finances separate because how you start, how, how you build the foundation of your business is a huge indicator on whether you're going to be able to scale and sustain the model that you have built, right? So if I build this model with all these transactions coming in and out of my personal bank account, and then I get to a point where business is booming, Usually when that happens, you don't have an ability to pause and say, wait a minute, let me go get my shit together. Then I'll come back to y'all. It happens instantly. And so that's why it's so important to make sure your foundation is set up properly from the beginning. That's the, that's probably the number one thing I'll preach is foundation. Um, so little things like having your EIN, uh, Dun & Brad number, um, having a business bank account. Um, are you doing email marketing? Set up a MailChimp connected to the back office or your website. It's just little things. Um, and a lot of it can come from just speaking to other business owners, right? And it, again, you don't have to do it all by yourself. You can hire a freelancer. A lot of people like to volunteer their time. Um, so yeah, that would be number one. Um, and number two would probably be the financial literacy. So understanding that you can't get business loans and to be honest, you know, if, if you have a business plan in place and you're confident in your idea, whether it be a product or service, I would much rather and definitely advocate someone going to get a business loan versus racking up consumer debt, right? Because your ability to make the money back is there with a business loan, whereas with consumer debt, you, you that's not an asset. It's no way for you to make your money back. You just got to pay that back, period. Um, so just understanding the dynamics of business finances and building business credit and being able to put yourself in a position to get business loans and scale and things of that nature. I think a lot of times we miss the mark on educating ourselves on that and the market we're entering before we enter it. Um, 
but so but that that is still important i know social media llc twitter like to say otherwise but the ideation phase of building a business and taking the time to do your research is still important yes it is yes it is and i'm glad you mentioned social media uh because i don't know if you remember but i love drake um, i think he's the goat person my personal he goat he is a goat People sleep on Drake. I don't know if it's because he's light-skinned or he's from Canada or both. <laughs> but Drake, he's been on top of the game for too damn long not to be the GOAT, which different podcast, different day. But one thing Drake did say in that, uh, was it Scary Hours 2 he just dropped a couple weeks ago? Yeah. Is that these days that fame is disconnected from excellence. Fame is disconnected from excellence. And so I'm glad you mentioned social media because your business, yo, you want to prime it. As soon as he said that shit, I'm like, yeah, 3MC is one of those was excellent um but not famous in the sense of social media y'all shit is on top of the game bro like respect like that ass and so just talk to us more before we dive even deeper in regards to, like the founding but even the naming of 3mc solutions so i'll be completely transparent in saying that when i started 3mc like social media and digital marketing even though i knew the impact of it that was not one of my priorities at sure. all yeah. Um, and the reason being was because the reason I even started 3MC was because I found myself in a lot of situations where I was consulting and not realizing I was consulting. So like I said, I'm big on relationships. So I had a job at Charlotte, for example, I'll walk you through an example. I had a job in Charlotte. Um, this is when I was at Winthrop full time and I was uh, leading their HR operations program. So it was like a, a managed vendor service program for a staffing company. So it was their ability to communicate with different staffing companies. And at that particular time, I got really, really close with the VP of development for one of the clients that I sat at, right? And so even after I resigned and moved to Atlanta, maybe like a year later, she emailed me and was like, hey, hope all is well. Um, would love to bring you in as a talent acquisition consultant, you know, freelance, you make your own hours. Uh, the corporate recruiter just really needs some help. And I remember the corporate recruiter from when I sat in the office because I had built that working relationship with her. Okay. And so that that honestly was like my first uh, freelance opportunity, right? Um, and then tax time came. <laughs> I don't have no dependents. Um, I don't even think I was making six figures at that time yet, uh, but I had to pay taxes back. So I was like, hold up. And a lot of it was because the freelance opportunity was tax-free, right? So uh, what I should have been doing was setting aside money to pay taxes. But, you know, that's something I know now in hindsight. At that time, 22, 23, I'm just like, oh, I got an extra stream of income. You can't tell me shit. So once that started multiplying and more and more people started reaching out with similar opportunities, I was like, oh, I need to get a business so I can separate this income, right? And also start reinvesting more into the business and giving other people opportunities because the reality was I can't consult 10 businesses at one time, right. but I might be able to consult one and use that one use case to educate another black female or young male yep. and also give them the opportunity to learn what I'm doing so that they can go on and, and make more money for themselves as well. Yep. And so that's sort of how I built the model of 3MC is like we're a team of freelancers that are able to provide startups and small businesses with the gaps to fill in the gaps within their business model. And the reason I say gaps is because let's say you're a startup business, right? Uh, you might have two employees. So your need for HR is going to be completely different from Nike's need for HR, right? So it doesn't make sense for you to spend the amount of money in HR resources that they would. Right. You might not need an HR manager, a full service HR manager, but you would need payroll and maybe someone to administer benefits. Yep. 
So that's where my business comes into play, right? We're, we're not going to bring you a full service HR manager, but we can fill in the gaps for payroll and administering your benefits at a very uh, small fraction of the cost of what you would pay to bring in a full-time HR manager, right? Because, yep. you know, you're looking at anywhere from sixty dollars to $90,000 a year to bring in a, a full-time HR manager considering their salary and their benefits. Yep. Whereas if you just need somebody to run payroll and administer benefits, that might be $20,000 a year at the most, you know, maybe more so 12. And so that's what my business looks at is, is basically setting up your foundation so that like we talked about earlier, your business can scale and be able to sustain that momentum. Um, but also so that you're not having excessive spending in your operating expenses. Well, first and foremost, thank you for explaining that out uh, for the people and for us uh, Two, what did three MC like, well, how did that, where the name come from? The name. So uh, that is all my fiance Web came up with it. Because uh, when I was in college, I had a blog called Men Money Mindset. I think that's what it was called. And that, man, that lasted for all the four blogs. I was so inconsistent. Um, again, purpose is evolution and blogging was not mine. Uh, so once from there, he was like, well, both of those uh, words started with M. He, and he thought about run DMC and he was like, let's do 3MC business solutions. And so uh, Leanna from uh, USC, uh, she did the logo for us, mimicking like the run DMC logo. Um, and we just ran with it. I love it. Yep. And so talk to us more about the business. So it's been in existence, what, going on this fourth year, currently in its third year. Um, but like I said before, it wasn't a joke. Like, mad respect. The work that y'all are doing is some next level shit without having to market social media, all the other shit. And so like, again, I can assume obviously relationship building, the work speaking for itself, word of mouth, like I get that. Yeah. But from your seat, right? From an entrepreneur, from, a, you know, co-founder, CEO, how have I been able to do this? Like talk to us more about the process and how y'all got to this point. Um, One thing I definitely think worked in my favor was I'm not afraid to invest my time, right? Yeah. Um, I think a lot of times social media has us in this mindset of instant gratification yes. that we're afraid to invest time. And by that, I mean, um, there's another startup in Atlanta called Inclusion, and it's mm -hmm. uh, a Black and Latinx community of freelance talent. Yeah. And so when I saw that, I instantly saw the synergy between them and 3MC and how there could be collaboration. Um, I got to meet with the founder. I absolutely love everything he's doing. And he was looking for a recruiter at the time, freelance. And I was like, okay, I can jump in and help. Because again, it's freelance. When they got an order, I help fill it. Doesn't affect what I got going on full time or any side passion projects. Yep. Um, but of course, freelance means you only get paid when there's an opportunity to do work, right? Yep. So I was there for about a year. And I think that's still on my LinkedIn now because I'm still with them. Um, but the reason why investing time is so important without having the attention of getting a reward, like just literally investing your time because you truly believe in something is, it's going to come back to you, right? Yep. So that started off as that. Fast forward to today, I'm now the head of recruitment and I've been afforded the opportunity to close two five-figure deals in the past six months, right? Mm -hmm. And the way my agreement is set up with them is I get, I get to retain 75% of that. So I've been able to pocket five figures of that deal as well. Yeah. And all of that came from a mindset of not being afraid to invest my time, right? Because if we rewind a year ago, I didn't see any profit come in from sitting on weekly calls with them and, and trying to fill recruitment orders. 
Mm -hmm. Fast forward a year, I've now made five figures from investing that time. And see, and that alone is what allowed me to knock off a lot of the debt I had been planning to knock off two, three years earlier than what I had planned. And that all came from me investing my time. Um, but not only that, now 3MC is connected to supporting organizations like Move On and Movement for Black Lives, you know, these bigger nonprofits and businesses all because I wasn't afraid to invest my time personally. Um, and I am my business. So strategically, I attach my business name to that opportunity, not my name. And so I, I think a lot of it comes down to, like I said, don't be afraid to invest time. Everything is not about a dollar bill, right? You got to be able to think strategically and long term. You know, that that relationship might empower you or give you the tools you need to make a million dollars. And you didn't make a dime from the relationship, but you made it later because of what you gained from that relationship, right? Versus going into a relationship like, what what can I get from this? So I think a lot of times mindset um, is what allowed me to, to shift and navigate 3MC where it is now without having that social media and huge digital marketing presence. So you mentioned earlier that you do, you know, you have a market, right? You've been deliberate in focusing and staying, you know, true to your market, which is a huge, huge, huge um, piece of advice, insight, free game for anyone. I don't care give, give yeah. what business you in. Uh, but of course, small businesses, startups, nonprofits, as I'm reading right now. Mm -hmm. um, how do you continue to stay, you know, refining your craft? Looks oh, I'm not afraid of trying new things. So uh, just last year, actually, a startup called WordPress Buffs uh, reached out to me. They were looking for someone, somebody to spearhead their people operations department. And I was like, sure, why not? I had just wrapped up a freelance project with a hair brand. Um, I was helping them with community management. And again, community management is way out of my wheelhouse, but I know how to do it because of the experience I had with my aunt. Yep. So um, once that project wrapped up and they reached out, I was like, sure, why not? And that experience alone gave me even more experience on administering benefits that I had not known before because they were administering benefits to people in India, uh, Korea, uh, Shanghai, you know what I mean? So that gave me a global uh, perspective on administering benefits that I had not had prior to that. So I always tell people, don't be afraid to try new things. Um, I could have easily, when I got that message on LinkedIn, be like, I don't need another opportunity. You know what I mean? Yeah. But that again comes down to strategy. Everything is not about a dollar. Right. Um, so, you know, that that's my mindset on a lot in terms of how I stay up to date. And I watch a lot of YouTube. Uh, my new favorite podcast is Earn Your Leisure. Uh -huh. um, and I am athlete. I've been on I am athlete a lot lately too. Uh, so I like to listen to stuff that I feel like is, is leaving me with gems I didn't have before I plugged in my AirPods or Beats, whatever the case may be. So I listen to a lot. Um, I'm getting back into reading too. I used to be a heavy reader in like high school and then I just stopped. Um, so I've been reading a lot of books too. So I, I think it's important to educate yourself intentionally. So, you know, educate yourself on you on things that you think will benefit you and whatever you feel like your purpose is in life, right? So I'm not going to go pick up a book about football. You know, I don't play football. <laughs> but I might go pick up a book about real estate investing because, again, I feel like my purpose is to create generational wealth. So it just really depends on what you're aligned with and what resonates with you. Um, but once you identify that, I think it's important to continuously pour into that. You can tell about what you're doing. Um both visible and invisible. So appreciate that as well. Uh, thinking about the fact that you are what, almost going on four years with 3MC, uh, what's something or some things you wish you had known when you first started? 
of course you mentioned the tax fees which is oh yeah (laughs) but what's something or some things you wish you had known uh, when you first started I wish I would have um, known that it's okay to fake it until you make it right um I've sat at a lot of tables that I probably shouldn't have been at um and been in a lot of conversations that um I typically wouldn't have been privy to uh, because of how I move and how strategic I am in my career and what my professional endeavors and those conversations have allowed me to see that a lot of people fake it until they make it right um, and some people make it based on whatever you deem is making it right and they still are faking it and mm-hmm. so had I known what I know now then I probably would have went even more full throttle um, but I was a lot more relaxed and humble because, you know, we all have room to grow and learn. I knew I didn't know everything, um, but perception is everything. Perception is everything. And I've, I've consulted a lot of businesses um, and I'm not talking about mom and pops. I'm talking about businesses that have annual revenues over 10, $15 million, right? Um, and expendi- expenditures over 20 million and they faked it until they made it, you know? Um, so I always tell people, don't be afraid to fake it until you make it to a certain degree. I'm not saying scam people because it's levels to it's levels to faking it until you make it. But believe in yourself and, and don't be afraid to, you know, present that perception that you are the shit and you know your shit. That's real. That's super real. I mean, entrepreneurial life or shit, life alone is tough. You know, I don't give a damn. No one says, but entrepreneurial life can be exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> not everybody make it year one or two year one or year two or year three. Um, and so doing your entrepreneur stuff, uh, I'm not going to say on the side, but, but parallel to your, your full-time work, how do you continue to take care of yourself? How are you taking care of yourself? Oh, man, uh, about maybe two, two and a half years ago, I started working out every morning, Monday through Friday. Uh, I might miss a Friday occasionally, but once I started doing that, I saw so much, uh, I feel like I increased my ability to set boundaries, right? And it could be as small as a manager reaches out to me same day at 9 a.m. wanting to meet at 9.30. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm I'm working out. I can yeah. talk to you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and it's crazy because when I first graduated from college and I had my first quote unquote big girl job, um, I feel like it was way harder for me to set boundaries then than it is now. And I think a lot of it has to do with where I was financially, right? Yeah. So, you know, and at that time, if you asked me what my financial goals was, I probably would have said to make six figures. And then you exceed that goal and you get there and you're like, wait a minute, this this ain't it. You know what I mean? Um, and so you start thinking further and deeper. But within that realization, you also realize what you have the power of controlling. Yep. And so I feel like back then my mindset was probably a slave to money. Like, oh, I need to make six figures. Uh, I can't tell my boss no or I'll get fired. And then fast forward to today where I'm in a situation of if I lose my job, I will be okay compared to back then when I lost my job, I might not been okay. You know what I mean? Um, It gives you more power and control over saying, "Mm, I'm actually going to set a boundary on that. They can circle back around tomorrow or or whatever the case may be, whatever that boundary looks like for you. And I think that has helped me tremendously in staying um, both physically and mentally fit. Because like you said, being an entrepreneur is hard. Uh, my hat goes off to anybody that's a full-time entrepreneur because um, I'm the first to tell you I'm not going to be too quick to jump into that because one, health insurance is high as hell um, <laughs> and I want an employer to pay for uh, my maternity leave costs when that time comes for 
my season. But um, yeah, my, my hat goes off to anybody that's a full-time entrepreneur because that shit is not easy. It's no, not. It's- but you have to be intentional about, you know, protecting your space and your peace. And so that's where boundaries come into play. And that's why they're so important to me. Uh, yes. I remember, uh, I think it was like 2016. I used to get so stressed out to him at work if something didn't go as planned or something didn't go as how I imagined it. And finally, Lex was like, you're not a doctor. You're not saving lives. Like that should have be there when you get to work tomorrow. And from there, I was like, dang, she right. Like, why am I going home upset about something that happened at nine, 10 o'clock in the morning? And so from there, you know, she always told me she would pick three big things that she needs to get done at work that day. And once they're done, she's coasting. She's not putting in extra energy, you know, into her employer when there's other areas of her life that needs that energy. And I, that has always stuck with me. That has always, that changed my life, literally. I'm a, I need to use that myself, y'all. I also need to get y'all whole, I, I keep saying it, but I, need, I really do. Get y'all whole crew on the show. We did a set the damn special edition episode with just the entire crew. Yeah, we're gonna have to get lots of wine for that one. I have my beer and tequila. You already know that though. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna transition to segment three, which is how can I, but also how can our family best support you, yo? Uh, we mentioned before about your, your obviously your story, um, not just your grind, but again your humility, but your efficiency in doing so as well. I um, mean, keeping your purpose um, at the center and at the front. Um, but how can I personally, but also how can we all best support you, um, as well as Three MC Solutions as well? Um, honestly, I always tell people connect with me on social media, right? Because that's like a live representation of how you can support me. So whether it be I post a quote on Monday, uh, well, Hootsuite posted because I'm not consistent with posting. I had to finally invest in Hootsuite, man. But um, whether it be a quote you see that you resonate with and you repost it or following the Instagram or Twitter, um, buying a digital product. I have digital products on the website like business plan templates. Um I got a job search book on there that has done wonders for people. Like literally at least once a week, somebody texts me and is like, damn, I always find a job within 30 days after reading your job search ebook. And I think a lot of it has to do with uh, the vulnerable uh, examples I put in there. So I literally put screenshots on how I marketed myself when I was in a job search because I've been laid off and terminated uh, throughout my career. So um yeah man the, the digital products and following us on social media we're at 3mc solutions on both twitter and instagram so we'll appreciate the follow and help us get our mission out um like i said i don't really push for clients on social media because a lot of my clients come from word of mouth i like to work with people that i actually know and believe in um again all money is not good money i've definitely had clients that i've had off board um, so I'm not too huge on like using social media to get clients, but I love building a community around it. So I'll most certainly put y'all information um, in the description to this podcast episode. Uh, but Shay, before we close, anything you want to share uh, with us, with me, with us, with the people, anyone tuning in to this episode today? Um, I'm gonna leave y'all with life is short. I feel like every day, in some capacity, I'm reminded that life is short. So. Whatever that means for you, pursue it. So I might say life is short and one person is like, you know what? Uh, I'm about to make it official with somebody I'm in love with. Or I might say life is short and for somebody that means, somebody that might mean, you know what? I'm about to pursue my business dreams. So I'm gonna just leave y'all with life is short and and let that resonate with people, however that resonates with them. That's a good one. I appreciate that, Shade. I'm glad, I mean, life is short for sure, but I'm glad at least with our life so far we got to connect um, Absolutely. back in what fall 13 fall 14 yep. whatever that semester was 
I forgot to mention, mention it earlier, but I mean, there's been a lot of great VPs, a lot of great MPHC leaders that have come through South Carolina. I would put our regime at number one, top two, not two. I would too. For sure. And if we would have had Julian and Provost State, it would have been a wrap. Period. It would have been a wrap. But one thing I want to mention, I just found this on my Instagram a little bit earlier, is I don't know if you remember this, but we hosted an event called Follow the Leader at South Carolina. You remember this? Yes. Yep. And I looked at this picture before we got in the pod today, and literally in this, uh, this photo is me, Lindsey Richardson, Aaron Green, Kiwi, uh, Trevor, Toya, yourself, Jabari, and Cortland. Oh, dang. I don't even remember that picture. I'm going to send it to you. October 7, 2014. Yo, talking about follow the leader. Um, but it's very evident, not just uh, what, seven years ago now, but even your leadership Crazy. in 2021. You're doing your thing, yo. Uh, so I want to say thank you again for joining us on the pod today because I definitely learned a lot myself and hope um, those who tuned in today also learn a lot. Uh, not just from your story, but also from your leadership and your entrepreneurial spirit as well. Thank you, Tim. I appreciate the platform. Again, I'm proud of you proud of the platform you're building in the community and i look forward to seeing you continue excel oh we're gonna have to i appreciate that number one but we're gonna host this special episode with the crew um, just let me let me get the I'm plan and pick the date <laughs> the Moses and beer whatever the hell we're gonna call it yo <laughs> uh, but for everyone else again thank y'all for tuning in to another episode of walk with tib uh please be sure to follow us on both apple Podcasts and spotify as well as youtube now which is never thought i never thought this shit would exist um but we're here uh, evolution is purpose is evolution right and so um, continue to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Again, five stars and a dope review, but only if you mean it. I uh, look forward to having more unfiltered conversations with authentic millennial leaders uh, centered on education, sport, and culture. Uh, but until then, walk with me.